You are listening to the Forcecom Frontline, bringing you to our soldiers on the front lines of readiness. Hey everyone, I'm Ashley. And I'm Eve. And this is the Forcecom Frontline. This is our third episode now, and I think we're finally starting to figure out what we're doing. Not so sure about that, but okay. (laughs) Some days. (laughs) But thanks for sticking with us, and we hope that you like what you've heard so far. Last month, if you'll remember, we spoke with women from across Forcecom. We learned about them, their contributions to readiness, and the importance of female representation within the Army. And this month, we're talking about This Is My Squad and Military Children. (laughs) And since I like a good old-fashioned did you know, Eve, did you know more than 2 million children have had a parent deploy since 9-11? I did not know that. (laughs) I didn't think so. Unfortunately, my look isn't being translated over this (laughs) podcast right now, but that's okay. Well, half of those children have also experienced two or more deployments. Wow. Yeah, it's tough. Um, But later on, we're actually going to talk about military children a little bit more with a couple special guests. And I know one of those guests has actually seen a parent deploy quite a few times. Yeah. And she's got some good insight about how she isn't sad when when dad's gone. (laughs) The more you know. <laughs> but before we get to that, though, I'd like to introduce our first guest. It's Forcecom Command Sergeant Major Todd Sims. Command Sergeant Major Sims has served in units across Forcecom, and he's actually been here in our headquarters since July of last year. Welcome, Sergeant Major. Thank Thanks you. for being here today. No problem. So on our first episode, we chatted with General Garrett, and we talked about foundational training days um, and the issues that have plagued our Army for really the last year. And I know since that you have since getting here, you've spent a ton of time going out and meeting soldiers and having conversations with them. Can you talk a little bit about those conversations and what you've heard from them? Yes. Um, so it was great because today we actually talked with uh, folks from BLC right here on uh, Fort Bragg, and, and I talked to them about the the behaviors that erode the trust of uh, of the American people on the United States Army. And I think uh, right now they. Some of our younger soldiers might have some better ideas on how to uh, get after uh, some of the the bad behaviors that we're facing, especially when you're thinking about suicide. Uh, There seems to be problems when it comes to seeking out help. So we really have to stamp out. We've all heard about the stigma of going to see the seeing the behavioral health. And uh, some of their ideas is, uh, you know, know, why don't we change the name? Why can't it be like go see a wellness coach or, you know, they, they don't have the, the easy access to the military family life consultants and, and things like that. And it's always about, it takes time or, you know, if you don't have a combat patch, there's nothing wrong with you, which is 100% not true. And uh, going out and, and talking to folks, not only here at Fort Bragg, like today at Fort Bliss at Fort Hood, uh, JBLM in Washington, it, it's, it's a common theme across, across our force that, that we're working really hard, but, it still comes down to that first line leader taking that soldier seriously and actually ensuring that soldier gets the help. And, uh, you know, it, it always comes back to stigma. It's all, oh, I can't do that. If I, if I go seek a professional help, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my security clearance, which, which is not true because there's many senior leaders across our army that have, have reached out for help. I mean, I came back from a deployment in Iraq, uh, we lost six soldiers in my company and uh, 32 across the, the battalion. And uh, seven days later, I redeployed from Iraq, went back to Germany. Seven days later, mind you, I cleared 
I was on a plane and I arrived in Fort Bliss to go to Sergeant Majors Academy. Needless oh, wow. to say, you know, coming back from downrange with all my brothers and sisters in arms, I'm back home with my wife and my two kids. And, you know, first time that you can have an adult beverage or not have to worry about getting shot at, or there's no phone calls from soldiers doing something silly. You know, and there, there's some demons that, uh, that still resided uh, from, from being downrange that long. I personally sought out help um, and uh, I, I used the, the chaplains to, uh, quite quite extensively and then what 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 ended up happening we had a support group at the academy and we'd all you know go seek help together with a professional there to help us give us coping tools to get back and, and actually you know be able to i mean here i am after i graduated 2008 and i'm still a command sergeant major to this day uh it's because you have to be able to reach out and there's there's tons of senior leaders around our army that have reached out An another Another great story is uh, General Garrett actually promoted a, a lieutenant colonel to colonel, and uh, he thanked he thanked his mental health professional, he thanked his wife, and he thanked his family uh, because of the problems he was he was going through. He said, I'd, "I would not be getting promoted to colonel today if it was not for the doctor and if it was not for my wife and my kids." Um, so there is there is there are leaders that are out there, but we just have to be able to tell that to the soldiers. Don't don't fear, do not fear it because uh, you know. You, you can still continue to serve in the army and right. I, I know I have lots of time and I get paid to talk. So <laughs> another great example of this is when we were at Fort Bliss uh, talking to a group of soldiers and one soldier had had some real problems when they were downrange and it contemplated suicide. But a leader saw saw that soldier was having problems and, and got them the help they needed. And uh, now that soldier just went to the board and it's promotable to be a sergeant. So, I mean, awesome. it, you can get help and the, and the help's out there. And it's just, uh, we have to stamp out the stigma. If uh, I need all leaders that, that, that listen to this to, to help help me and help General Garrett to actually stamp that out so we can have a ready force. And first ID right now is actually doing a, a wellness check across the whole division. I'm sure you guys are track, tracking that. But that that's gonna be a proof to principle, see if we can do this everywhere uh, because it should be normal if, if you need you know need help marriage counseling is an example or if you're you're contemplating things because you have stuff going on in your life hey reach out get help and we can get you back into the fight it, i've been working with the suicide um iap for the last year and so i've been emerged in communicating what to do if you're feeling down or whatever it is and you know that stigma like how do you get past the stigma but also we don't want there to be a stigma yeah. But then it's really hard for soldiers <laughs> to tell their stories because of the stigma. Um, so it's a real challenge to to try to break through that. And how, how do you? How yeah. do you? <laughs> I think it was another neat thing I heard today is uh, so one of the soldiers was asked me a question and started talking about how, how things we can make something better. She said they have uh, like code words in their platoon, like the platoon sergeant gave me if you're feeling depressed or something, call me and say pickle juice. And uh, that that way, the the platoon sergeant knows. Hey, I need to go check on uh, on specialist so and so yeah. to make sure. Okay, what's wrong? How how can I help you? Or keep keep you on the phone, find out where you are, and get to that location to help that soldier out. So it, th there's some eventful things going on out there inside of our formations. It just takes us as senior leaders to listen to that. And then when we sit, you know, like in the people first task force things, or when we're in in groups together, we have to bring that idea up from that younger soldier because that's the generation. It's all of us old people, we're all kind of set in our ways. <laughs> yeah. Are you and, calling uh, me old too? No, no. 
I'm calling it myself old. He was looking at me. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm calling, calling myself old, but you know, we're kind of setting our, our ways and the way we were brought up is a lot different than the way you know, this generation has been brought up. So not, nothing's wrong either way, but right. just the way that we were taught, like, you know, that's a sin that, you know, yeah. et cetera and so forth. So mm -hmm. we just have to understand our audience when we uh, make our programs better. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about this a little later, but I also feel like that building trust with soldiers and their leaders is huge. Um, my husband is uh, an NCO and he's got some soldiers below him who've had some issues, but he has built a relationship with them and has trust with them that one in particular feels very comfortable going to him and saying, you know, I'm having a rough time right now. Um, and it's because of the trust and relationship that they've built. So I, I do really feel like if you can get to there, get to that point, it can really be helpful. Yeah, sure can. Now, along the lines of that trust and leader engagement and everything, we're a year into this is my squad right now. And that is that's all about building trust, increased engagement and developing cohesive teams. From your perspective, how do you think that's going, Sergeant Major? Um, so at first, when I first got here, it was still kind of hit or miss. Um, so when I would engage with soldiers, I would ask them, you know, what, what do you know about this is my squad? <laughs> so mind you, this was back in July and, and somebody told me, no, that's not in my squad. I said, well, absolutely not. The, the Sergeant Major of the Army has been talking about this is my squad for it's been over two up to two years now. Yeah, yeah. That's and true. Uh, when he when he talked about it, when we were at the uh, conference at Fort Benning, when uh, he first became Sergeant Major of the Army. And uh, I think people are finally starting to understand that it's not the Sergeant Major of the Army's initiative. It, it's all of our initiative. It, it's everybody yeah. in the Army. We're all doing this together. Yeah. It's not the SMA said to do this. Absolutely not. It, it's something that we should inherently do anyway. Uh, be no do. All, all the things that we've learned growing up being a non-commissioned officer, it shouldn't take you know us. The SMA says to do that. Absolutely not. This is everybody's everybody's thing, and it's actually really getting better. So, for Campbell, uh, case in point, uh, Charlie Company uh, One Two Six. I went down and I did PT with them, and uh, a young private in the squad. He uh, just graduated basic training. I think he'd been there probably two weeks. So he didn't, he couldn't go home on leave. So he stayed and, and continued to do uh, physical training and, and do the things. Well, his buddy went home on leave because he had been there like three months or three or four months prior to him. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing the stuff together it was myself, the team leader and the two privates. Oh, wow. So the one private was uh, kind of falling out. So <laughs> the new private's like giving that kid a hard time. <laughs> and then he's also pushing the team leader and myself to, to you know, hey, come on, we got to go faster. We have to do more push-ups. We have to be done before the other squad over there. That age uh, difference again. <laughs> yeah. But we got done and, you know, I talked to him and I, I talked to everybody about the, the three behaviors. I talked to him about Tim's and then I said, you know, who has done this before? So I, I looked at that soldier and I said, I want to I want to call your mom. Roger that, sorry, Major. So I pulled my phone out, of course, and she didn't answer my phone. So we went, <laughs> we went into the uh, went into the day room there and he, he pulled his phone out and he called her back. And and I, I talked to her and I got to thank I thanked her for letting her son join the army. I told her what he did that day and I explained to her, you know, what I did at Force Con. And she, she was ecstatic and she started telling me stories. Well, you know, check this out, Sergeant Major. My, my sister was born right there at the, the hospital in Fort Campbell. My dad's a retired Sergeant First Class. And it just kept going on. And later on that day, her husband called and he thanked me. He said, I really thank you, Sergeant Major, for what you did. But then I got a follow-up note again because that team leader saw it. And the light bulb went off. And then the, after that, 
the platoon sergeant, they're like, oh, that's that makes now we know what you're yeah. talking about. And they, he reached out to me again and said he really appreciated that the team leader actually called him, talked to him about their training schedule, how well their their son is doing inside the formation. That's so, awesome. you know, that's that's just one example. But you go across the army, things are getting a lot better and they understand that it's not the SMA's initiative. It's not Sergeant Major Sims initiative, it's theirs. Yeah. And they're starting to own it and think things are getting better. And I think the metric that it's really gonna tell, tell, help us tell is the reduction in suicides, mm -hmm. the reduction in sexual harassments and sexual assaults. And you know, it, it, once we start to see the metrics and it starts getting better, we, we know that Tim's is really working like it's supposed to. Yeah, absolutely. So as we said before, there have been a number of issues that the Army has dealt with this year. And some of those things have gained national attention. I would say the biggest probably being the tragic death of Specialist Vanessa Guillen. Um, what happened to her was truly terrible. Uh, but it also brought to light a number of areas that our Army, not just Fort Hood, really need to work on. Can you talk about some of the changes that are being uh, being made so far in response to her death in the subsequent independent review? Yes. Uh, so tragic event, yes. But uh, what it did do is it, it helped us take a holistic look at ourselves, um, which, which is, is a perfect thing to do to actually make sure that we make stuff right uh, in inside the Army. Uh, inside the independent review, I mean, it, so you talk about, I, I can talk a little bit about the CID and the things that are going to do uh, to make it better. So there's a lot of hard work going on up in the, in the DC area and also with the Army on, on how they're going to make that organization better. Really, how do they put the, the, the soldiers in there that are actually qualified that it, they can do the investigative pieces and uh, also the, um, the the special agents and how they reach out to the community so uh, uh, general white and command sergeant major burgoyne have been working really hard to ensure those those relationships in the fort hood community are actually tied together in, in unison all as one which is a uh, which is great great to see because I, I knew there was always engagement but after reading the review saying that uh you know, some of the local community felt like they didn't have a seat at the table. Uh, I've seen that that's changing, which is good because every everywhere you go, especially as a senior mission command, you're always tied to the community. Absolutely. And I knew that I knew Fort Hood was tied to the community, but there was that perception that it was not. So that's getting better. For the most part, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things happened at Fort Hood that you know could have happened anywhere in our army. Absolutely. And you know, when when you read the independent review, they you know they they reference other camps, posts, and stations, and with numbers that you know are kind of like Fort Hood. Like I can think about where we're sitting right now in Fort Bragg. Absolutely. Um, but uh, the attention was on Fort Hood, and and what the leaders have done to actually change the attention to get things going back into a better direction is uh the, the sharp the sharp 360 thing that they have out there is one of the top in the army and it's it's emulated across other campuses posts and stations and when i talk to the division sergeant majors and the course sergeant majors once a month they talk about that and they they how did how did you get that how did you set that up we want to do that too so it, it's going across the army you know we think of a bad thing that happened at fort hood there's there's a lot of great things going on Absolutely. and what leaders are doing is they're reaching out to leaders at Fort Hood. Hey, how did you get over this? How can we make it better? How can we assure this is not a ha happening on our camps, posts and stations? So I, I get to see that a lot, which which is amazing that, you know, leaders leaders that care are actually reaching out to those that they think got impacted really hard at Fort Hood, but they're still thriving and they're still doing things great. And, and they're actually sending what they're doing well back out to the rest of the force, which which is good for us. Yeah. 
we've talked a lot about Tim's and Sharp, and really it goes back to leadership in a lot of ways. So from your perspective as an NCO, and you've served in a number of leadership positions on your way up to where you are now, why do you think it's so important to earn and maintain the trust of the squad? Uh, it's important to earn and maintain the trust because you're, you're going to want them to follow you in a rough situation. Uh, really, the, the, the trust that you develop with your subordinates when you're in a firefight is actually going to help you out because if you train together, you consistently do battle drills together. As a leader, you don't have to worry about what the person to your left or right is doing because they're they're well trained, they're disciplined, and if we're in a heavy fight, you know they're physically fit and they're going to get you to the objective because that repetition and repetition and mm -hmm. uh, and it, you build that over time. And, and if you're doing it and you're doing it doctrinally correct and you're teaching them the right way, they know, okay, this leader knows what they're doing. They actually understand what they're doing and they're gonna take care of me if I'm in a bad situation. So build, building trust, it, it, it's, it's really a two-way street. Um, so you, you have to, when you're working with, with your subordinates, you have to listen to what they're saying. Far too often you go around and I hear it when I'm talking to soldiers, so my, 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 my sergeant doesn't listen to me, why? Why doesn't your sergeant listen to you? Um, sometimes it makes you scratch your head, but then sometimes you hear what that person's saying. It's like, okay, so, you know, you have to, even as a soldier, you have to understand these are my unit SOPs. You have to read them, you have to learn them. And then as a leader, if you don't read your own SOPs and you tell your soldiers to read it, they're gonna get to a point where they're saying, hey, hey, Sergeant, hey, what about <laughs> right. this? Um, so building it back and forth. So as a younger soldier, I always tell people, I say, you know, be at the right place at the right time with all your stuff. But really, the, 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 the form, the foundation is take the time and read our ARs and read our FMs. And that way you have an understanding or get a, a TM for a piece of equipment and actually read it. This is how I do a PMCS on this. You know, the sergeant should be doing the same thing. But, you know, it, it constant learning, always, always developing and that that will build that team. But when you're talking about trust, you know, having the courage to. Uh, we did this a long, you know, a long time ago, I, I personally called family members and, you know, we kind of see that kind of wane because mm -hmm. uh, everybody has a cell phone now. They use text. I said, well, nothing's better than the personal interaction talking to. Um, so that way, you know, if you're involved in the family, you know, Sergeant Sims actually really cares about, you know, my wife or really cares about my, my, my daughters or cares about my mom who, you know, has cancer that I need to take a little time to, to go home and spend time with mom because of her situation. So you have to, you have to be able to do that. You have to feel comfortable with doing that and you can't be forced to do it. Uh, I think what's great as we're looking at trust and we've seen, you know, how we've been kind of been going the constant churn, you know, deployment, come back, deployment, come back. And to, to gain back the momentum, really for the non-commissioned officer corps to gain back the momentum, you know, when, when General Garrett said, we're going to do a foundational day. And this is what we're going to do during foundational day. Because, you know, it's really about mission command. We want commanders and, and sergeants major to be able to do something inside of that with a little bit of guidance. But we're, we were directed for a reason because we need them to get back to, I'm not going to, it's a cliche to say, get back to the basics, but, <laughs> but get back to, hey, 
know your soldiers. Yeah. It's pretty simple to pick up a phone and call a family member and say, hey, your soldier's doing great. Or, you know, hey, personally, I've called moms before in Article 15s. I said, do you know your son did this? Absolutely not. I need to talk to him. You know, You're so, grounded. Yeah, things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's the basic things that we were all taught as we were growing up that uh, we're getting back into the force. And, and hence the, some of the directive stuff that you're going to do on this foundational day. And it's what it's doing. It's rebuilding trust back in, from squads, from, from the lead to the leader and from the leader to the subordinate. Because they know if you're thinking about their best interests. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the work-life balance uh, uh, chart that uh, General McConnell uh, talks. Absolutely. Um, so, I, a f funny story with that. I thought my my old my division commander, General Pappas, invented that. Then, I, then I saw General McConnell briefly. Like, Wait a second, sir. Where'd you get that? From? <laughs> but, but it, it's a great example of uh, how, how you build trust in in units, or really within with subordinates. If there's, you know, you have the the one side is like, okay, we're doing some moderate training, or you go in the national training center, or you go to war. But then there's life events down at the bottom. Like, you know, not every day that I'm going to get up every morning and, and be able to take my kids to school. Yeah. That, you know, or unless have a baby. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but then you have the point where it's, hey, there's, there's a mild training event going on, but hey, there's some life event that's happening in that person's family. Like, they're going to name a building after, you know, your father. Mm -hmm. That's probably a pretty important event for uh, for that right. person to be at. You know, we can give them a couple of days to go back and actually, right. you know, see that. But then you go to the spectrum of war. You know, if there's a death in the, uh, of immediate family member, there's things that 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 builds trust between the subordinate and the Absolutely. leader because we're taking care of you. And, and it's a great example of that work life balance uh, uh, chart. Agreed. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I've seen it quite a bit, and, and I really believe in it. And I've had I've had leaders. That did that for me when I when I was a soldier, and so I've always tried to be able to emulate that. But then, if I can't send somebody back, I, I have to I sit down with them and explain to them why we can't do that. And you know, and sometimes it, it comes well received, and sometimes it doesn't. But in the end, uh, they they understand. Okay, that that's this is why I can't go back or I, think, I can't do something. I think people just don't want to feel like they've been written off, right? You know, like do you care about what's going on with me too? Like more than just I'm your supervisor or whatever. I think, you know, looking out for each other. Yeah. Well, and on that note too, it seems like it would be easier for like a squad leader or a platoon sergeant to have that personal interaction with their soldiers and know them. What would you say to first sergeants and command sergeant majors and even higher level leaders? How do they get to have that relationship and build that trust? With uh, you talking about between sergeant majors and first sergeants, or or just between soldiers, soldiers and knowing what's going on, I, yeah, it's yeah, funny. So I, I was lucky enough to be a first sergeant uh, twice, both in uh, garrison and combat. So I mean, so I was I was an infantry company first sergeant, then an HHC, and we spent so much time together that I knew every all 144 people, I knew every one of them. But then I could tell at night without not night vision devices on mm -hmm. who it was. Just by the way they walked in their silhouette. How much time we spent together. Then you know, I went to HHC. This was uh, back in the old heavy mech days. You know, we had a little over 300 folks. And then when we deployed, they gave us an augmentation. So I, I deployed with like 433 people. So when it started getting a little bit more, I didn't know as many. Yeah. But uh, as a battalion sergeant major, lucky, I spent... Uh, two years as an operations sergeant major in a battalion. And then I, this was 
prior to the uh, command slate list. I was punched in the chest by uh, Command Sergeant Major Grippy, or really tapped that punch. <laughs> and he said, you take the battalion next week. So that, that was another over 700 folks that, you know, I actually, what I, what I would do to help learn people, mm -hmm. I would get a platoon roster and I would memorize the names. Oh, wow. And where they were from. So when I would go down and talk to somebody, hey, Johnson, you're from Atlanta, Georgia. Like, oh, how the heck does, how does Sergeant Major know <laughs> you that? You should know that. <laughs> uh, but instant okay, he knows actually where I'm from. And it just sparks a conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it's little, little little techniques. Uh, as you get higher, as you get up to brigade, it's a little bit tougher to do that. But the, the key the, the key for the relationship building and, you know, is you get to know all your, you have to know all your first sergeants. Yeah. And you have to have uh, leader development with all those first sergeants and, you know, monthly. And then you have to help them understand that they're their primary trainer of that company, you know, according to AR 600-20, you know, who's responsible for the, you know, the NCO is. So have them have that understanding that they understand that. So the battalion star majors too. So I haven't really got to do it in the staff here, but in, in former staffs, I would always, for the operations star majors, another key key member is you had, we, we have a meeting once a month, but then we meet again for like, you know, lunch, all of us to get, just to sit and talk to each other, to get to know each other. Once COVID's over, I'm gonna start having all these folks over. Yeah. That's gonna be a good time. <laughs> or once they're all vaccinated anyway. Right. But it, it, it works as the same principle at a, as a battalion or brigade level, sorry, major. You have to have professional development sessions, but then you also have to have the, the off thing where you just invite people over to have something where they're relaxed or they have their family mm -hmm. with them. So. You can, this is my spouse. This is the army life. This is how, you know, we, we've gone through this life together and, uh, you just consistently have to do that. I mean, even when you come up here, so I, I personally know all the course are majors. I personally know all the divisions are majors. And then I'm always doing VTCs with them because, you know, or I'm lucky enough where the general Garrett has given me the privilege to have military and fly around to see all of our, all of our, uh, divisions and all of our course. So, mm -hmm. and, that in interaction I have with them personally and the interactions that we have when I go out and see them. But then, which is great being the force commissar major is when, when I get out there to those locations, they'll bring all the SAR majors to me. So I really get to, you know, talk to yeah. them and connect with them. And as you go up, you just have to take the time to actually do that, you know, all the way from uh, squad leader level, all the way up to like force commissar major. And, Great example is, uh, you know, I, I watched Sergeant Major Army Grinston as he went through, you know, being a Corps Sergeant Major, Division Corps uh, and Force Com and now the mm -hmm. SMA. He, he, uh, he laid out a pretty good roadmap on how, you know, to interact with people and, and do the things like I'm, I'm describing. And uh, so he called me when I, I selected for division. He was a Corps Sergeant Major in a different Corps and just talked to me for an hour. So, you know, as new division star majors get selected, that's mm -hmm. what I do. I will call them or if they're on the same camp or poster station, I'll bring them right to me and we'll just sit down and talk. This is what it's like to go this, this level. Um, and that, that's important. I think more folks need to do that. And, uh, you know, that is my you know last couple of years in the Army. That's that's what I make sure is I give back to teach all of our subordinate, my subordinate sergeants major. This is this is how you build the team. That's awesome. So before we go, I'm going to bring it up. You were a Marine. <laughs> so how did you go? How did that happen? And how did you end up in the Army? 
Okay. So <laughs> once a Marine, always a Marine. No, I'm blessed. I, I, I'm truly blessed. I've, I've been a non-commissioned officer in two branches of the service. So long story is at first I joined the National Guard because I always wanted to serve. And, uh, you know, my mom and geez, I don't want you to be in the, No. But so I had my dad sign the paper. And yeah. But anyway, so I started the National Guard and um, I, my whole plan was to, to go to college and, uh, you know, just be a part-time soldier and uh so I, I get to virginia and it's like things weren't going like i wanted to and um so i went to the army recruiter's office and they're like well the only thing you do is go to korea i'm like oh, I don't <laughs> go to korea as i was walking out of the substation I, I walked past the marine corps office and i looked in there and a guy i, I used to know from panama city sit marine recruiters and I was like, craig todd what's up and i went over and i said hey you know can you guys get me out of a out of national guard contract sure can and this gunny walks around the corner and he's, you sure you have what it takes to united states marine i was like well yes i do uh so i i joined and i didn't know i had to go back to i'd already been the army basic training i didn't know how to go back to boot camp i'm like i'm at maps they're like so when do you want to go to boot camp i'm like what are you talking about boot camp no i was like all right you know I want to go on the first thing smoking and, uh, and a couple of weeks later i was in at paris island and i did four years at operation desert shield desert storm and we went back to uh, operation nautical manis and we also did uh we went in somalia so yeah, i did four years and then during the clinton drawdown i didn't know you had to put a re-enlistment re package in six months prior to getting out we were on a different boat than the re-enlistment folks and when we came back it's like hey i want to re-enlist they're like nope Oh. So I went and redid my ASVAB and all that stuff. Nope. You you should have put your uh, your reenlistment thing in six months. I'm like, okay. So I drove to the Army recruiter's office. I said, hey, you guys taking prior service? Yeah, roger that. So I get out next week. Like, you be, be, be here on this day. And I watched all these videos. They had like videos, like they had airsoft, they had airborne, they had all this, all this stuff. And I said, like, where's that Fort Campbell? That looks pretty cool. And uh, so... You know, 27 days after uh, ETS out of the Marine Corps, I was at Fort Campbell, and I have never looked back. So interesting, though. It could yeah. have gone a totally different way if you would have been on the different boat. Yeah. <laughs> See, and my story is the exact opposite. I had joined the Army on the delayed entry program, and then there was a Marine recruiter in my school cafeteria. And I went up, and I was like, hey, tell me about being a Marine guy. The recruiter looked at me. He's like, you couldn't be a Marine. <laughs> I was like, fine. I already joined the Army anyway, so ha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I totally failed the Marine test by not jumping in and saying, yes, I could. So, <laughs> but all right, we know your time's valuable, Sergeant Major. I always have to ask though, is there anything else you want to add before we let you go? No, it's a, it's a privilege to be the 23rd Forces Command, Command Sergeant Major. Uh, so we have, we have a lot of great things that are going to happen in our Army and uh, really excited about the uh, the new way we're going to promote uh, folks to sergeant. Uh, so there's some new initiatives out there on uh, what we have to do on our promotion boards, uh, certain directed questions. And I think it's only going to get better as uh, all, all of the Army command sergeant majors, all the four-star sergeant majors, as we work together with uh, with TRADOC and the HQDA to actually make sure we're producing better sergeants. And with that, we've had the same promotion system for you know over 40 years. And it's time it's time for some change and it's gonna be exciting over the next couple of years to watch that change especially when it comes to the first sergeant training assessment and alignment mm -hmm. program and then when we look at the uh sergeant major is gonna like the, the officers go to uh, b cap and c cap 
So the battalion commander assessment program mm -hmm. and the brigade commander assessment program, we're going to do that for SAR majors. So starting this year, you'll see brigade level sergeants major go through that program. And then next year will be battalion and, and brigade. So I'm excited as, as we move forward in the future to ensure that we're selecting the right folks to not only be sergeants major, but to be sergeants as well. Absolutely. And uh, there's a lot of exciting things that uh, are to come. And it's just great to be here in the collaboration we have with TRADOC and it, it's going to be good as we go forward. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Because it's the month of the military child, we decided to lighten up the tone a little bit and have some fun with our own Army kids. So here with us is Eve's daughter, Amelia, who is nine, and my son, Landon, who is five. Can you guys say hi? Hi. All right, let's start with a little game. We're going to ask you some questions about the Army and see how much you know. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. You don't look ready. I am ready. Okay. Let's see, who should I ask the first question to? I'm gonna ask it to Landon. Okay. You ready, Landon? Mm-hmm. What is PT? Mm, well, my dad drops me off at school. He goes and he does PT, right? Yes. PT is, uh, I hear an airplane outside. Yeah. The Navy. The Navy? <laughs> The PT is physical training. What do you think they do during PT? Run all the time. Yeah, that's probably about right. Or swim. Can you finish this sentence? Go Army. Beat. Navy. Good job. See, I'm going to sit that whole way for me. <laughs> all right, well, what about this question? Landon, you ready? Yes. What is airborne? Um, when... When a soldier jumps off a helicopter or an airplane. Good job, buddy. Who do you know that's airborne, Amelia? My dad. And my mom. <laughs> I learned something new about Eve today. There you go. <laughs> oh, I only jumped five times, just in airborne school. So, do you guys know what a salute is? Uh, when you put your hand to, to your forehead to show a sign of respect. Yep. Landon did it, so we'll give you credit too, buddy. Oh, love it. <laughs> so, it. Amelia, you've been an Army kid for a little bit longer than Landon. What is something that you've dealt with that has been really hard? My dad being gone for lots of holidays. Um, He's been gone for my birthday a lot, too. Yeah, that's no fun, is it? Yeah. What about you, Landon? Mm, when, my, when, when my dad goes away for a long time. How does it make you feel? Sad. Yeah, so what do you do to not be sad? Mm -hmm. I want dad to come home. <laughs> yeah, what do you do, Amelia? What do you do when you're sad? Well, I hang out with my mom and we have pizza night. Ooh. From Pizza Hut. Oh. And we watch Marvel movies. <laughs> slash the new show Wonder does not imply endorsement. I know. Okay. Parenting wins right good. there. Well, do either of you want to be in the Army when you grow up? I do. What do you want to do in the Army, Landon? Um, be a police um, man in the Army. Yeah. What about you, Amelia? Do you want to be in the military? I want to be part of the FBI or a 
veterinarian that helps our dogs. That helps army dogs? Mm -hmm. Don't you have enough dogs at home? I only have two. Only <laughs> two. That's pretty cool. Well, thanks guys for coming and talking with us. I only have one dog. We do have one dog. What's your dog's name? Wiley. <laughs> Neely, what's your dog's name? Ripley and Cooper. Oh, they have two dogs. We're going to have to get another. That's what we got out of this. Good luck, Jerry. There you go. I'm going to get them. <laughs> All right. Well, well thanks, thank you, guys. Oh, I guess yeah. we'll see you at home. Yeah. Wait, we're done recording. Was that the live Was that the live With April being Sexual Assault Awareness Month, we wanted to take the opportunity to update you on a new ForceCom policy. General Michael X. Garrett, the Commanding General of U.S. Army Forces Command, has signed a policy letter assigning all investigating officers for formal sexual harassment complaints to outside a subject's brigade command. General Garrett wants to remove any possible bias to ensure sexual harassment complaints are being looked into with fresh eyes. ForceCom's new policy aims to improve the climate to encourage reporting and ensure soldiers know that their leaders are serious about creating the change needed to improve soldiers' trust and confidence with leadership and the SHARP program. ForceCom leaders are listening to the feedback from soldiers and are committed to improving the systems in place to eliminate sexual harassment and sexual assault from its ranks. And don't forget the DOD Safe Helpline is always available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and is both anonymous and confidential, as well as secure. Staff members will listen to your concerns, discuss safety planning, provide information about resources, and when you are ready, connect you with local resources such as a sexual assault response coordinator or victim advocate. Call 877-995 5247 to be connected with a trained Safe Helpline staff member or visit safehelpline.org. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again next month when we talk about mental health, human resources modernization efforts, and we'll also introduce you to a soldier who will share her story and some of her Filipino background. And don't forget, if you're not already, make sure you follow ForceCom on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you feel like. <laughs> but we'll see you next month on the front line.